0: Welcome to the Roboticist Chronicles, an ARC Specialties podcast, where we get into the nuts and bolts of robots, automation, and the implications of an evolving machine workforce. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of the Roboticist Chronicles by ARC Specialties. I'm your host today, Tyler Curran, alongside Dan Alford, the president of ARC Specialties. Dan, it's good to talk to you today, man.
1: It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having us.
0: You got it. And, uh, you know, we've been talking a, a lot with people that you have collaborated with that you've worked with over the years just in in, in your in the world of robotics you know and so uh, today is no different we have a, another special guest joining us today his name is brett hubbard he's an oem sales manager for hypertherm brett thank you so much for being here
2: uh, thank you excited to be part of this podcast uh, with dan here
0: Absolutely, so uh, let's start off here, Britt, and, and just talk a little bit about the history of Hypertherm and give people some context for our conversation today, just as we talk about uh, the relationship and, and the work that goes in um, between Arc Specialties and Hypertherm. So Britt, let's just start off uh, with that history of Hypertherm. Tell us a little bit more about the company, the founder, you know, how long you guys have been around and some of the things that you do.
1: Yeah,
2: so uh, Hypertherm was actually founded in 1968, so we just had our 50th year anniversary a couple of years ago. It was founded by two gentlemen, uh, one Bob Dean, uh, who was a professor at Dartmouth, along with probably the more known name with hypothermia, Dick Couch, in a two-car garage. Um, And today we have over 1,500 associates um, with an extensive array of uh, engineers that have over 200 patents on the wall. But... uh, It was just an interesting beginning. Um, What they really were were focused on in 1968 uh, was trying to better non-ferrous cutting using a plasma torch. For those that aren't familiar, maybe what plasma really is, uh, it's the fourth state of matter as we refer to it. So you've got your solid, your liquid, and your gas, um, and how you go in between those, right, is, is adding energy. Well, the fourth state is what we call plasma. So you add enough energy into uh, that gas, it actually becomes ionized. And we can actually use that then with so much energy to transfer that heat to a plate and cut it using heat and, uh, and air to remove the, the metal away from the cut. So a pretty neat little process. And that's uh, kind of where they began 50 some years ago. And, and like I said, today, we've, we've grown to where we are at 1500 associates globally.
0: Wow, that's uh, that's some pretty incredible growth and uh, and, and a great um, origin story, I think, for the company. And one of the other things that I, I've read about HyperTherm that I think makes you guys really unique is that you're one hundred percent employee owned, right? So tell me a little bit more about that, and maybe how that differentiates HyperTherm from from maybe other companies in similar uh, in, in similar industries. Yeah, so
2: Dick Couch and, and his wife Barbara were are big philanthropists, and they're big believers and and the associate in the community that they, that they serve. And in 2001, they, uh, thought about how do we continue to give back to those associates that continue to allow us to grow. And at that point, they became a 30% uh, ESOP pretty much sold part of the company back to the employees. And, and I was lucky enough when I came on board in 20, 2011, that, uh, they actually went to a hundred percent ESOP. So Obviously, they could have uh, gone other routes um, with what they wanted to do and, and sold to possibly the competition or to an investment firm or multiple other things that they could have done. But what they decided to do was to protect the best interest of the associate. They sold the company and made it uh, sold it back to the employees and made it a 100 percent ESOP. And that just kind of goes back to their belief um, in the associate uh, they have a no-layoff policy that's been in effect since they were founded in 1968. You look at what we've gone through today of uh, you know, COVID, uh, something that's real, unfortunately, right now, and, and uh, we haven't had any layoffs. We continue to protect that uh, philosophy. They give back as far as stock and profit sharing, and, and they also do something that probably is very unheard of in, in giving time to every associate, 32 hours a year, to give back to community service, among other things, within the community to uh, to make it a better place.
0: That's phenomenal. Yeah, I, I really like um, the way that that sounds just as far as a business model and as far as a company values go. Now, Dan, do you remember the first time that you worked with Hypertherm on a project? What was that like? And, and kind of walk me through that experience of, of the first time that you interacted with Hypertherm as a company.
1: Well, plasma is commonly used for cutting flat plate and steel aluminum, all the different alloys because, you know, as he said, this was – originally for cutting non-ferrous materials, because you can go back 100 years ago, and we were cutting steels with oxyacetylene. Worked very well, but you couldn't cut the non-ferrous stuff. And so we have a machine that cuts all of our plates that we fabricate into our robot systems. And the plasma world is kind of interesting. It's unique in that Hypertherm really is the undisputed leader. I've not seen something like this in any other industry. And he's, he's too polite to mention it, but they really are the guys. And so when we started cutting parts at my shop with plasma, of course I wanted to do it with Hypertherm and it worked out very well. And it was years later that I flew up to New Hampshire, met, met with everybody. And at that point we became an OEM, which is original equipment manufacturer, using their power supplies and their technology to cut parts with our robots.
0: That's phenomenal. Yeah. Dan, so you kind of mentioned just, uh, and through that example and through that story, kind of talked a little bit about how the whole picture comes together, but kind of talk us through what a robot integrator does in the grand scheme of things. And you know, where you fit and where hypertherm fits in the overall, uh, process of completing a project.
1: Okay. Most flame cutting and plasma cutting is done on a flat plate, two dimensions. And it's a pretty simple process. It's been around a long time. Uh, Probably back in the the 60s, we were using tracers. You'd you'd actually draw the part with black ink, and then the machine would follow it. Then the next step up was CNC. And these machines are operating all over the place, but they only work in the flat dimension using a two-axis system. Well, my world's not flat. It's three-dimensional, and robots lend themselves to that. And so that's what we've been trying to do is take plasma cutting and apply it to a three-dimensional world. And it's working pretty well right now. But that's that's what an integrator does. Hypertherm is very good at making the cut. You know, the cut quality is superb. The controls of the machine, that's superb. But the motion control, that's my job. So we take the robot, hang the plasma on it, and then we write the software because that's the last piece of the puzzle. Anybody can hang a plasma on a robot, but then you still have to go and teach the pattern. That's not good. So what we're doing now is we're going all the way from CAD to part, we take a three D drawing and then import it into Robot Master software, which is actually a division of Hypertherm, and then from there we convert that over into robot code and make three dimensional parts with no programming in between.
2: Yes, yeah, so, so Dan has a good point there as far as um, you know, kind of the evolution of, of plasma cutting for us. You know, It began as something cutting non-ferrous uh, that oxyfuel couldn't do, and then it came into how do we get this into cutting the larger market, which is mild steel, and starting to produce that in a more consistent manner. Um, and as we did that, we continued to drive technology adoption through better arc control, better arc stability, better consumable life. A lot of those things continued to evolve, and, and we really focused heavily for the long term for a long time, on that, that 2D, that XY cutting, as we call it. And as things continue to evolve, you know, with Hypertherm, we started to really see the opportunities that are there um, in the 3D world. That not necessarily that we ever tried to look past, but we were so focused on what we were good at and what we were continuing to do to evolve. And, and now I was lucky enough when I stepped into the role that I have that we were really focusing on how do we make this fall in place where it can work with a robot integrator um, like ARC specialties. And uh, we've been working very closely with Robot Master, which is an affiliate company of ours, as well as obviously our power supply. And then uh, you name the arm manufacturer, whether it's KUKA or ABB or whoever, to provide a solution in this, uh, what we call a new world, Dan would call an old world.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, the two of your companies, Hypertherm and Arc uh, Specialties, have collaborated on the the FlexFab cutting cell, right? Can you talk a little bit more about that collaboration from your perspective, Brett? And, and then we'll also get Dan's thoughts on this, and you know what you're creating and what this allows uh, for people to do.
2: Yeah, so the, it it was amazing in the the time frame that we uh, we came to Dan and said, hey, we've got this, you know, what is our new newest machine, which is an XPR machine. We call it extra definition a step above high definition cutting what well, we thought we were bringing something new as far as communication styles, EtherCAT communication, is kind of a little bit behind the time. If you look at it in a robotic standpoint, they've been exposed to it a lot longer than we have. So when we brought this to, to Dan and Arc they were like, Oh, we've got a lot of experience in, in working with EtherCAT communication and, and, and uh, making this work. And it was amazing in the timeframe that we brought the power supply to them they took it onto a KUKA arm at that point and uh, went through some of our integration with some of our application engineers. And uh, they had it up and running in a very short time frame and, and doing some things that we never thought they would do and as, as quick as they were able to. But that speaks to our specialties and, and what their ability
1: is and and, uh, and why we chose them to start with this. Brad, you got it backwards. The fact that you'd already set it up with EtherCAT greatly simplified our life. Remember, I'm the old guy, right? And so back in the old yeah. days, we had to have one wire for arc on. We had to have another wire for current. We had another, you know, all this stuff. No longer. It's 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 now in EtherCAT communication. So we simply talk back and forth using this high-speed protocol. So it greatly simplified our interface. Instead of 100 wires, we had one cable. And so that's yeah. how we got the thing to run so quickly and we're able to meet mm-hmm. the deadline because we took this thing to Chicago for the uh, American welding society, FabTech convention. And that was the debut of this thing. We had anybody walk up to it. We would change the program while they were, you know, change the design of the part while they were watching and then cut it immediately able to prove that we really could go from a drawing to a part with no intermediate step.
2: And Dan, I think a, a good conversation that you could probably elaborate on would be the the evolve motion of robotic arms. You know you take something that hypertherm has and is a true whole technology. it's a very complicated movement process. It, it actually changes speeds and and accelerations throughout the whole. and I would say that maybe our experience in the past is that it was very tough for robotic arms to make those movements. How can you tell us a little bit about what you guys do that? Maybe allows you to do that where we can't we haven't had that success in the past.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're fortunate that you guys kind of ignored motion control and and spent all your time (laughs) optimizing cuts on a flat plate. But but then when you throw that at us, I think what you've experienced is the robots are designed to to make a a hole at a constant velocity, etc. Right. And uh, you don't really need that. You, You what you guys have found out that we're needing to constantly update and change motion and plasma parameters in order to make that hole perfectly cylindrical because when you're cutting you actually have a little lag a little you know the arc is dragging it's it's not like a laser beam going through the part so imagine it like a broom bending so the arc is bending a little bit so as you go around the corner if you don't compensate for it you're going to end up with a little bit of a shelf there. And, that, and that's quite subtle, but you guys have worked out all the details. But when you try to apply that to a robot, the robots really don't lend themselves to that because that wasn't what they were designed to do. And unfortunately, i got some smart guys on staff and they've turned all of the holes into a spline move because as your teachers taught you, a, a circle is nothing but a polygon with an infinite number of sides. And so now that we have a polygon, we can break it up into little tiny segments and then change our motion and plasma parameters on the fly all the way around there to duplicate what you guys call true hole and what everybody calls a really nice cylindrical hole without any defects.
0: One of you guys, uh, Dan, I believe it was you, as we were talking about FlexFab, talked about how uh, using Robot Master, uh, you can take drawings in CAD and it kind of cuts out some steps and, and Robot Master acts as the middleman and it goes straight to the robot cutter. Why is it important to remove steps from that and how does that reduce complexity and allow for more ease of use two things first
1: off if you can program offline then you can allow your plasma cutting robot to continue to manufacture parts while you're creating the program for the next part so back in the old days you had to stop the robot and then you would teach it the part so let's say we wanted to make a square. You would teach the four corners of the square and then the robot would repeat it and it would make these cuts. But while you're programming it, it was dead. You were not making money. You were not making parts. Right. So if we can program offline, it it expedites the whole process. And the other part is accuracy. Since we're working in three dimensions, our part thickness continuously changes. The part might be the same thickness, but if we change the angle of the torch the apparent thickness, because we're now on a bevel changes, that means we need to change all the process parameters on the fly. Back in the old days when I would teach and repeat a robot, you would kind of approximate optimum parameters, but now we can optimize them every few millimeters or even more frequently than that. No human could do this. You know, a simple part that we might have written in five or six lines of code now may be a thousand lines of code. So no human could possibly do that, but it allows you to optimize the motion and all the process parameters. It is it is definitely the way to go.
0: Brett, is there anything you want to add just on, on FlexFab and, and the collaboration that you guys have uh, between the Hypertherm and uh, and Arc Specialties?
2: No, I mean, I, I think we, we've covered it pretty pretty well. I think that uh, some of the things that we, we may have ignored uh, in the earlier conversation that, Dan and them uh, at ARC Specialties were able to come up with quickly is typically in a, in a XY cutting application, you have a what they call a torch height control. So it's something that actually is the motor that moves the torch up and down based on an ARC voltage measurement is typically how those are, are used today anyway. And what you find uh, with the robot is that you don't usually have a torch height control as we look at it in a fashion to move up and down away from the plate. So Dan could probably speak a little bit more to, you know, having to integrate that and find a way to measure the torch height, because everything that as far as cut quality, we measure based on how far away from the plate thickness that you need to be to get the best cut quality. Um, I think Dan can maybe elaborate a little bit on how they uh, they work through that process.
1: You know, Back in the old days, we would add another axis to the robot, and that would be strictly to follow the contour of the part. We called the torch height control or an arc voltage control, and, and we would monitor the arc voltage, and that would allow us to determine the distance from the torch to the workpiece, and then we'd servo that. And so it, it was a good, pretty good technique. It would follow the part, and that works well in XY, but if you're too close to the part and you're on top of the pipe, you need to go up but if you're too close to the part and you're on the bottom of the pipe, you need to go down. And so you have to either reorient that axis or better yet, do it the way we did it. You've already bought six precision servo controlled axes on your robot. You know That's what a robot is. And so we use all of these axes as a torch height control now. And it just takes a little bit of math to determine the vector. So we have to figure out where the surface of the part is. And if the, we detect that the torch is too close, we move directly away from it with that vector. So we eliminate that additional axis. We utilize more of the robot's functionality. And the signal that we're using to monitor that torch height comes directly from the Hypertherm plasma cutting system because they're monitoring it. They feed it back to us again through that Ethernet. So it's very fast. We can follow contour very quickly. It's a great solution because it's all software. We didn't have to add any hardware.
2: Yeah, so it just kind of goes back to the the versatility of the FlexFab and what it can what it can do. Um, they did this with the Kuka robot. I know that they work with multiple other arms that they could they could accomplish this with. But it's basically the the fact that the FlexFab can be just that flexible to whatever your application may be in the three D world, um, and that uh, Arc Specialties has a very strong understanding of what plasma cutting is, um, and is able to adapt those things that are needed to. Highly perform uh, with an XPR and can can bring that basically to life with uh, with their integration onto their chosen
0: arm. Absolutely. So, uh, Brett, what's next for for Hypertherm? As Dan was mentioning, he's never seen uh, you know another company that so thoroughly owns a specific aspect of an industry the way that Hypertherm owns uh, what you do uh, when it comes to robotics. So, what's next for Hypertherm? What are you, what are the company's next goals, and what are you excited about?
2: Yeah, you know, it's kind of exciting. Um, It's you always are the target when you're the number one in the market, right? We've been lucky enough that uh, we will say in the United States anyways, we have about 90% market share um, in the the high definition, next definition platforms. So you start to look at, well, okay, how do we grow that space? Pretty much dominate it. How do we continue to evolve in that? And uh, what we look at obviously is finding things like the 3D space that the applications are probably greater than what we've, that we've ever known. We also look at, if you look at our XPR, uh, we brought out uh, a better process for non-ferrous cutting. Go back to 1968, when Dick Couch was actually working with water-injected uh, plasma. I mean, that's what we brought back from 50, 52 years ago. We made it better. So it's getting into some, some non-ferrous things like that. It's starting to look outward. Um, if you look at what Hypertherm's done here recently, We've bought Robot Master, which we've talked about here recently. We've bought uh, AccuStream, which is a water jet company. Um, We've also acquired Omax, which is a a fully integrated water jet company. So we continue to look at obviously sticking to cutting, um, but expanding that market um, and where can we fit in applications that we didn't fit before or maybe just overlooked before. And I think that's what we're doing today. We, We collaborate closely with Dan on some things I can't really talk about, but they're going to make it more friendly in the 3D space to expand that market and hopefully open that up for us. Uh, and those where we continue to, we focus on cutting, but we're looking at uh, the different processes within within the cutting. So that could be water jet, plasma, laser, et cetera.
0: Dan, as Britt kind of runs down the list of things that, that Hypertherm has working for the future and that they're looking into, what what of those things kind of pique your interest? Is it, is it all of them? Uh, is it, you know, one over another? You know, what's what's particularly interesting to you from, uh, from the ARC Specialties perspective?
1: I like their attitude because if you have only one tool, you know, what's, what's the old saying? If, if you only have a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. So they're on the right track, you know, and they realize that plasma solves a whole lot of problems, but doesn't solve everything. So, for example, I think you can get slightly better precision with laser. With water jet, uh, you have no thermal uh, issues. All, all these different technologies apply to different problems. But for a majority of the uh, ferrous uh, cutting, up to, I would say, a couple inches. I don't uh, Listen to Brent, see if he disagrees with me on that, on that dimension. And accuracy up to, I'd say, plus or minus 15 thousandths of an inch. I tend to think that plasma is, is the way to go but all the technologies apply you know that you're you're describing our specialties we use the right tool for the problem rather than trying to make a, a square peg fit in a round hole
2: you make a good point in the, in the fact that uh, we're just trying to be versatile of what the market is. Um, as you mentioned, you know, think about the aerospace market, you know, they don't do thermal cutting. They really want to see non-thermal effective cuts. So water jet fits, but uh, it brings a market to us as well. We've probably never been involved with uh, cutting watermelon diapers, uh, all those fun things with water jet that uh, we haven't been exposed to. When you talk about thermal cutting. So it's, it's that involvement, but we still consider ourselves the cutting experts of the world. We're focused in that. We haven't really stepped outside of that, but we continue to evolve not only just uh, plasma, but the other other cutting platforms. And uh, that's why we invest heavily with our engineers. One comment I didn't make earlier that is very interesting that probably a lot of people don't know about Hypertherm is that uh, of the 1500-ish associates that we have, uh, over 150 are dedicated strictly to engineering and making the processes better. And that's a a huge investment when you look at it from an R&D perspective of what we put in every year from our earnings back into the development of the next thing, whether that's the XPR or or what they might call the next uh, water jet or fiber laser that they might come up with.
0: Well, just hearing the words water jet and laser makes me excited. So I don't know what you're going to do with it, but it sounds it sounds awesome. And I, I, I'm excited to hear more about it at some point in the future. So Brett Hubbard, OEM sales manager for Hypertherm. Thanks so much for joining us today here on the Roboticist Chronicles with myself and Dan Alford and uh, talking a little bit more about Hypertherm and what you're doing and how you're owning this industry.
2: Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. It was a great, great discussion and uh, I look forward to the next one.
0: Absolutely. I think uh, I speak for Dan uh, when I say we do as well. So Dan, any final words to, uh, to wrap up this episode?
1: No, this, this is a great process. You know, it, it works very well for a whole lot of different things. And uh, I'm just delighted to get to work with the, the number one plasma company in the world and try to turn their flat world into a three-dimensional. one.
0: I've been watching uh, a lot of The Last Dance on ESPN with Michael Jordan, and it sounds like Hypertherm is the Michael Jordan of, of cutting. Is that, is that an exaggeration?
2: We just want to keep it
0: going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we
2: don't want to retire
0: anytime soon. No, no <laughs> retirement, second retirement, third retirement for, yeah, uh, for Hypertherm. Right, just right. a continuous, continuous.
2: We'll stick playing for the bulls.
0: <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Roboticist Chronicles. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Tyler.